0: as she preaches the gospel and explores the mysteries of God in our modern world.
1: In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Mother of us all, Amen. Amen. When I was newly ordained, working in a parish in Illinois as their curate, I had an interesting experience. I was walking to church, and as I got closer, there on the road, sprawled out on the sidewalk, was a man. And he was lying there in pretty rough shape. It looked like he was sleeping or maybe passed out, but I wasn't quite sure. He was also blocking the path, which meant that I was going to have to go around him to keep going. And it hit me with this feeling of dread. There I was in my priest collar, and if I did proceed to walk around this man and ignore him, I was literally the bad guy in the Good Samaritan parable. (laughs) The priest who walks by the man lying in the road and does nothing. So I was like, okay, I got to do this. I walked up closer to the man, and I was going to ask him if he was okay. But before I could, he jumped out at me and growled. Yes, he literally growled, and then he put his head back on the grass and kept sleeping. I know I'm not the only one who has faced what feels like the Good Samaritan dilemma. We learned this story at a young age, and the interpretation is fairly straightforward. Be like the Samaritan. Help the person in need. But helping, or wanting to help, isn't always that straightforward. Not to mention, what the Samaritan does is a lot. He drops everything that he is doing to go and help this man. He puts him on his donkey. He takes him to an inn. He pays for his medical care, about $200 by our standards, and then he says that he will pay more, whatever is needed. All of that, even though at the time, Jews and Samaritans were enemies. Diana Butler Bass writes that in Jesus' day, Samaritans were seen as the descendants of rapists and murderers, collaborators with the rulers who oppressed the Jewish people and who worshipped at a corrupt temple. The Samaritan totally empties himself for a man who in all likelihood hated him. That's a tall order. We read this and we think, that's what I should do. So we try to be the good Samaritan. But then we find ourselves in this quandary because we actually can't. Though yes, maybe we could show compassion, mercy, and hospitality that well on some occasions. And maybe there have been times when we have, which is a great thing. But what if there were five men lying on the road and we only had the one donkey? What if we didn't have the physical strength to lift the man? What if we couldn't afford the lodging or the doctor bill? What if the person we were trying to help growled at us? (laughs) What if actually helping actually hurts the people that we're trying to help? Like in those instances of toxic charity where the aid sent to other countries then displaces their own businesses or instances where our assistance demoralizes those receiving it? What if there's a whole world of people who need significant help, and there we are, just one person trying to be the good Samaritan? It's enough to make our heads spin, which is the point. What the Samaritan does is so perfect, so completely self-giving, It would be impossible for us to do in every instance of need that we are faced with. And that's where we need the part that surrounds the parable, if we are to understand it. Remember, Jesus tells the parable in response to a lawyer who it says has come to test Jesus. This is not a person who is coming because they genuinely want to understand or be better. His gotcha question is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And we should note this, this is actually a contradiction in terms. Because you can't do something to inherit. By definition, inheriting is a gift where the doing comes from someone who is not you. Jesus asks him, what is written in the law? And he rattles off, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, and love the neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says that is the right answer. Do this and you will live. It's kind of like in what we see in the Deuteronomy reading today. Obey. Follow the law perfectly and everything will be good. The problem, of course, is that we can't. We mess up. Even the best of us and the most well-intended, we can't follow the law perfectly. Or in other words, it is impossible for us to do the thing that would secure eternal life missing that point and not having yet succeeded in tripping jesus up the man pushes further it says wanting to justify himself he asked jesus and who is my neighbor which is when jesus tells the parable of the good samaritan and then says go and do likewise drop everything Give everything for someone who hates you. Love in a way that is impossible. And for this man trying to test Jesus, it would have been additionally impossible because for him to boundary cross to help the Samaritan, which was the correlation in his case, it would have meant violating other Jewish laws. So to keep one law perfectly necessarily transgresses the other all of which goes back to the impossibility of being able to do something to inherit eternal life, the framework that the man started with. The man isn't the only one with that question of how to be justified. It is bundled into the human condition, part of our quest. How do I justify myself? How can I earn respect find a sense of worth? What must I do to prove myself? How can I justify my existence? Or what is it that will make me feel justified so that I don't have to feel bad about myself or the suffering I see around me? We answer the question in a number of ways, seeking justification through accomplishments, possessions, how others treat us or see us. And yes, Some of us even seek our justification through doing the right thing and helping others. But even when it's good things, none of that can actually justify us or give us what we're looking for. The passage begins with, what must I do? And the answer is, you can't. We can't, it's impossible. We can't be the source of our own justification. It's something that only God can do. It comes to us through God's grace alone. So many of us read this parable identifying only with the people walking by. Are we the priest? Are we the Levite? Or are we the Samaritan? But maybe we need to see two That we are the man lying half dead in the ditch who need an impossible act of grace and mercy and god is the boundary crosser who saves us when we understand the story with humility trying not to be the savior who comes in to fix things we actually have something to give we come to the neighbor with our poverty Not the top-down, here I am, but in solidarity with those as ones in need. In the face of overwhelming need and suffering, that might be the best thing we have to offer. Or as the quote from Active Hope in our social justice and advocacy column this week said, this is where we begin, by acknowledging that our times confront us with realities that are painful to face difficult to take in, and confusing to live with. Our approach is to see this as the starting point of an amazing journey that strengthens us and deepens our aliveness. The purpose of this journey is to find, offer, and receive the gift of active hope. Where we, like the man who is questioning Jesus, are looking for that thing that will justify us give us worth, or make us feel okay, the answer is that only God can do that. The sooner we can experience ourselves in a state of grace, the better everything is. It is the eternal, abundant life that is ours to inherit even now. Knowing ourselves in God's grace transforms the good we do, too. It's no longer doing it so that we'll look good, Or go to heaven or justify the space that we're taking up on this planet or not feel bad about the things happening around us, which is actually a transactional way to look at it. But the things we do are also a grace, the grace we can give coming from the grace we have been given. And coming from that place, we have much to give. Amen. Amen.